Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Good to see everyone. Amen. Hallelujah. We are in the middle of our sermon series. We're in week, week three of Love Displayed. And as I've been explaining every week, the, the whole series revolves around the idea that we as Christians, and even, even non-Christians, um, understand this concept that we as, as Jesus followers preach that, that God loves us. How many are grateful for the love of God? Amen. Amen. And that we understand this idea that God loves us, but what can be murky at times, what sometimes we don't understand or we don't know how to do is how to love God back. How is it supposed to look like as a Christian now I'm a believer. Now what? Praise the Lord. Have you ever been in something and you were so excited for it and you finally got it and then you think, well, now what? <laughs> but see, when you and I receive God's love in our lives, it's not a now what moment. It is a, 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 a new life that begins and that should begin to move towards us displaying our love back to God. And it's not, uh, it's not a boring life that we leave as believers. It's a, it's a life that is uh, challenging for sure. No one's going to, nowhere in the Bible will you read when you open in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation. When you read this word, you're never going to see, hey, everything's going to be peachy. No. In fact, it preaches. It says, don't be surprised by the afflictions, by the sufferings that you will go through. This is all a part of our life. And the thing now is that we have Jesus on our side. Now Jesus is on our team. <laughs> and he will help us as we go through these difficulties in life. And first week we talked about uh, from the subject obey to display that if we are to love God, the very first thing we need to do in our lives is to obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's what Jesus said. And that's what we spoke on the first week. The second week, last week, we talked about being centered on God. That God transcends any priority list that you may have. God is bigger than a to-do list. We don't put God in, in a category and say, okay, I took care of God today. No. God is something that is, his love for us should move us to where we place God in the very center of our lives. That when we do make to-do lists, it is based on the fact that we love God. And I will give God my best. I will do things for God this day. I will live for Jesus. And today we're going to be speaking from the subject of love for all. Love for all. Can you say love for all? I think one of the things we can understand about love is that 
It's a word that is easier said than done at times. It really is. And we can explain it. It's, a, it's that fuzzy feeling that you get when you see someone that you love, that you have an affection for, or it's doing something that you don't want necessarily want to do, but you do it for the sake of pleasing that person that you love. But sometimes it's a lot easier to say, I love you, to say that you love something. It's really easy to throw that word out because I think maybe all of us at one time have said, I love tacos. Amen? And it's easy to use this word of love, but it's such a strong word. It is such a word. It's a word that is full of such depth, and there's a deepness within it that sometimes uh, we really should think about the things that we say we love. Amen? I love my school. I love the Dallas Cowboys. There's nothing wrong with loving the Dallas Cowboys. Amen? God is good. But we got to be careful on the things that we declare our love for. Love, it's easier said than done at times. It's interesting, I was reading a, uh, back, a while back ago, I was reading through some, um, I don't know if you heard, there's books, and there's a series of a writings called Letters to God. And then there was a children's edition of children's letters to God, and I remember a letter that I read, um, really short, you know, kids don't write really long letters, it says, Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in my family, and I can't do it. Love, Nancy. I mean, honestly, how many of us have felt this way before? If it's hard enough to love my family... Because my family, whether they're good looking or they're okay, and sometimes it can be cool, sometimes, oh my gosh, but sometimes it really is hard to love my brother and my sister. Sometimes it's hard to love my parents. Sometimes it's hard to love my brats, I mean my children. Sometimes it's just hard. It's difficult, if we're honest. But Jesus, you're calling me not only just to love my family. I mean, there's a closeness there. I see them every day. There's, every day there's blood. There's a blood relationship. I can understand you asking me to love my brother and my sister. I can understand you asking me to love my mom and my dad. I can understand me having to love my children. But Jesus, you're asking me to love all. Love everyone? I can barely do it for these four, for these five. I can barely do it for, the, for my, not my spouse. I love my spouse. But I can barely do it. But you're asking me to love, to love others. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 22 Verse 35, this is not the first time I've referred to this, uh, this, this verse in the scripture. Somebody asked him one day in verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
This is the first and the greatest commandment. Well, we're good there. I understand that part. Good job, Jesus. You, you, you know what you're talking about. That is a great answer. But see, wouldn't it have been great if Jesus just stopped there? But we go to the next verse. In verse 39, he decides to add on. And he says, and the second is like it. But Jesus, I only asked you for the first. No, no, no. Let me give you the second because it's important that you understand the second because it's just like the first one. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I mean, Jesus is here in the middle of teaching people, and someone comes and asks him, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of them all? What is the one thing that I need to make sure that I'm accomplishing every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year, every year of the decade? What am I supposed to be doing? What is the greatest thing? Well, it's easy, Jesus says, love God. But it doesn't stop there because there's another one that's just like it. In other words, Jesus is telling us that the command to love God is equal to the command to love people. And this presents a problem for us at times. I mean, we can say it this way. When we love God, we will love people. See, no matter whether you feel that you're an extrovert or you're an introvert, Jesus says, if you love God, you got to love people. It doesn't matter if you're outgoing or if you keep to yourself. If you love God, you got to love people. It doesn't matter if you've never met a stranger in your life or if you're a little bit awkward in social settings, you have. To love people. It doesn't matter whether you are on social media or you're not on social media. You have to love people. When we read these verses, Jesus does not give you any wiggle room. He doesn't give you an out. He doesn't give you a clause. He doesn't give you a loophole. He says that when you and I love God, the second commandment, which is just like the first, is to love People, this is a command, church. This is not a suggestion. This is not, hey, I would like for you that, you know, if you love God, then you should also, maybe it would be a good idea for you to love people. No, it's just like the first one. He simply says, Jesus simply says that these two things are equal to each other. So before we leave today, though, the one thing I want you to have in your head is that loving God means Loving people. Loving God, church, means loving people. It means loving your spouse. It means loving your children, loving your parents, your brothers, your sisters. It means loving those that you may think are, are worthwhile. But it also means loving those that you may think oh, they don't really are, they're not really worthy of my time. It, it means loving those who rub you the wrong way. It means, yeah, loving your co-workers. Yes, even that one. Even that one. It means that you got to love those that have done you, just done you wrong. 
You have to love those who have blessed you. You have to love those who have cursed you. You have to love your friends. You have to love your enemies. Jesus does not give us any wiggle room. You got to love those who have different ideologies, different philosophies than you and I. We are commanded to love one another. It's interesting because I, I was telling my wife that um, I, I wanted to speak on certain things this past week, and I just didn't feel it was right because we were having baptisms. It was it's just the atmosphere I didn't feel was right. And, and I, but I did feel important, and, I, and it felt, I felt that it was important that I need to talk on this. So I took to social media this week, and I just wrote out a little thought. And um, I think that one of the things that really we have to understand that we are living in a time where racial tensions are, are so high, they're so thick, I really don't ever, I mean, I, I, maybe when I was a child, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't aware, but I don't ever remember a time, I'm sure it was different way back, way back when, but I don't remember a time where you had to be so, so politically correct in the way you address people, in the way you speak to people, and there is a degree of, you know what, I, I have to really be respectful of people. Which is true. We need to be respectful. We need to love people. But these things that have happened have been escalated by political figures. It's been escalated by others that, that decide to go before the television. That decide to go and stand before people. And they, they, they spout out things that I, I quite honestly, I don't usually like to talk like this, but it's quite stupid the words that come out of their mouth. And they use the Bible to justify. They use this word that I preach. Uh, they use this word that you read to justify their actions of hate and their actions of bigotry. And I'm not sure what Bible they're reading because the Bible that I preach from, the Bible that I read from, it's not open for interpretation. There are certain things, but when it comes to God's love, it's not open to interpretation. It is very clear that God loves you. God loves me. God loves everyone in this world. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what their cultural background is. It doesn't matter what country they from. God loves them. I mean, I guess they must have skipped over Leviticus 19.34 where it says, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself if you were, because you were foreigners in Egypt. And they must have also forgotten to read Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 19. And you are to love those who are foreigners. For you yourself were foreigners in Egypt. They're using the sacred word of God and twisting it to cause division. And we as a church, we have to understand that God is love and that when you and I love God, it means that we need to love people no matter how different they may be and, and no matter how differently they may think. It doesn't matter what they may look like. 
really simple. First John chapter 4, verse 20 says that whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'm just reading it. And I don't think there's much that we need to try to figure out on what this says. It's basically saying if you can't love somebody, you can't say that you love God or that you're doing things in the name of God or that you're serving God. Because if you love God, you will love your brother and your sister. And if you don't, if you love, if you say you love God and you hate your brother and your sister, you're a liar. You're a liar. We got to love all. We got to have love for all. Loving God means loving people. And I think it's very interesting because in John chapter 13, verse 34, 35, we see Jesus once again teaching and we see Jesus mentoring, discipling, and, and he says to the people surrounding him, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And when I read this or when I read this um, when I first came across this verse many years ago, one of the things that I kept thinking was, what, what does this mean? I don't understand what he means by this is a new command because we just read in Leviticus that, no, you should love your neighbor. You should love people. And, and even in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, it says that if do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among you people, your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll say, well, what is new? I mean, we've heard this. We've read this. We, we've understood this. And we know that we should love one another. What is new? Well, I think that what, as I was reading this, and the thing that I found out is that before, in Leviticus 19.14, before Jesus ever came uh, onto the scene, uh, the commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. But when he says, a new command I give you, love one another, the new command is not loving one another, but it's how do we love one another? Because before, the standard of love, the thing we were supposed to measure against was how you love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was the standard, me. If I'm going to love my wife, I need to love her the way I love myself. If I'm going to love uh, that person that looks different, I need to love them the way I love myself. But there's a problem with that. Because there can be times that we, as individuals, don't love ourselves very much. We're discontent with life. We're discontent. We never could, we could never, but we can't believe that God, that, not that God, but that we've gotten to where we're at. Because we had different dreams. We had different aspirations. We had different ideas of what our life would look like when we were 20. 20. I don't know about you, but I know there were times that I would stand in front of the mirror as, a, as you can imagine, 13-year-old Daniel just standing in front of the mirror combing his, believe it or not, I used to have hair. 
I, I have combing my hair and wondering, what am I going to look like when I'm 21? What am I going to look like when I'm 25? What am I going to look like in dear God? Amen. But the standard was how when we love someone, we love them like we love ourselves. But Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. So now the new standard of love is the love Christ has for us. The new standard of love is Christ's love for us. Whereas before we were supposed to love one another as we love ourselves, now we're supposed to love one another as Jesus loved us. Which changes things. Praise the Lord, everybody. It changes things because sometimes, sometimes when we're, we're really tight on a budget, we won't even spend money on ourselves. Man, we will pack a bologna sandwich and that's all we'll get. Uh, well, I, I love my brother. I'm going to just give him a bologna sandwich. That's all we give him. But now the standard is love one another as Christ has loved you. As Jesus has loved us. Jesus tells us that now the standard of love is not human love. Now the standard of love is the love he modeled for us. In fact, this was so important, so key to the disciples, so key to the church, that he said that if you do this, this will be the sign unto others. This will be what this world will be able, how the world will be able to know that you are my followers. If you love one another. It wasn't going to be how much we spoke in tongues. It wasn't how much we are going to spend time in prayer. It wasn't about how many people we baptized. It wasn't about how many people show up to church on Sundays. It wasn't about how big the building is. The, the, what was going to show others, all the people around us, what's going to show the city of Frisco, the city of Little Elm, the city of Prosper, the city of McKinney, the city of Plano, what's going to show that city, that these cities, that city church loves God is the love that we have for one another. The true sign of a follower of Jesus is love for one another. I'll say it again. Loving God means loving people. So, Pastor, how, how do we love one another as Christ has loved us? Well, good question. I'm glad you guys asked. I wrote it down. I'm going to give you three things. I'm, there's way more many things. I could have written down 10, 15, 20, but I'm just going to give you three things that I think are key that we can begin to do daily. Not just with our family, but with that coworker. You know the coworker I'm talking about, okay? How do we love one another as Christ has loved us? Number one, unselfishly. Jesus loved us unselfishly. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. 
how will he also, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I mean, God is a God that is unselfish with his blessings. He is unselfish with his power. He says that when you and I love him and that when you and I keep his commands, God lavishes salvation upon us. God lavishes blessings and his power and his Holy Spirit. It doesn't just, it's not, church, we got to understand that God is not a God where you have to come to a certain place at a certain time to meet with him. You can meet with God in the very beginning of your day, in the closet, in the restroom, in that extra room that you may have, in the garage, in your car. God is available to you. God is available to me at all times. He's unselfish. Jesus loved us unselfishly. So much so that he gave everything for you, And for me, he went to that cross. Not because he thought it was going to be fun. Not because he thought, hey, this is going to be a cool thing that people are going to post on Facebook or on Instagram. He went to that cross, not seeking any glory, knowing that he had a mission he needed to fulfill. Because your life and my life depended on it. I will give my life. I will lay down my life. In fact, in John, you don't have to turn there. If you want to write it down, you can. But in John chapter 15, verse 12, he says, My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. Greater love has no greater love has no one than this to lay down your life for a friend. And that's what Jesus did. We were just singing, I am a friend of God. And God came to this earth, manifested as Jesus. And laid down his life for you, for me. Because he considers us his friends. So how do we love one another? We got to be unselfish. We got to learn how to serve others. Praise the Lord. We got to learn how to care for one another. Even though at times it's uncomfortable. Even though at times it's awkward. Even though at times you know that they've talked about you behind your back. We need to learn to love one another. The second thing that we got to do, we got to learn how to love through forgiveness. Jesus forgave us all. Jesus was on the cross, in fact. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He had been beaten. A crown of thorns had been put on his head. He's bleeding. The Bible says that he was so disfigured that he was no longer recognizable. But yet, he hung on that tree. 
And he lifted his eyes to the heavens and called out to his father and said, Father, please, forgive me. And forgiveness is one of the things that, are, that is very challenging for us. Praise the Lord, somebody. It's challenging. Because people can do some crazy things. People can say some things that you're like, what, what did I do to, do, to get that? I, I thought you were my friend. I, I, I thought you said you were going to be faithful to me. I, I thought that you said you'd always have my back. I thought that you had said that you were going to come through on this. And I thought that we were going to fulfill this contract. I thought that, that this was going to be something that was going to be good. But it's turning out to be nightmare. It's turning out to be hell on earth. I thought... Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand the gravity of the sin that they're committing. And that's why he was hanging on that cross for those sins. Because just as someone has one day maybe treated you wrongly, has been unfair with you. They're in need of forgiveness. Just the same way that you were in need of forgiveness at one time. And to be quite honest, we're still in constant need of forgiveness. Whether it's in our thoughts. Whether what lurks in our heart. Whether it's those things that we think nobody knows about. We're in constant need of God's grace and forgiveness over our lives. And from the much that we've been forgiven, we should also forgive. So we love others through, by being unselfish, and we love others by forgiving. We also love others practically. Now, what is that supposed to mean? We love Practically. See, Jesus went beyond words to demonstrate his love. Because as you know and as I know, if you've been married for a little while, that the words I love you, they carry a certain significance for sure, especially during the honeymoon phase, especially the first two years, three years. But there comes a time that you know what, you say you love me, but you got to go a little further than just saying it. Because for some reason, you're constantly forgetting my birthday. You're constantly forgetting my, our anniversary. You're constantly forgetting that these are things that I don't like. You're constantly forgetting, and you're talking to this person that I don't really like you talking to. And you keep telling me that you love me, but your actions aren't lining up with your words. And Jesus went beyond his words to demonstrate his love for us. So when we say we love one another, that we love somebody, we have to be practical in our love. In John chapter 13, verse 1, it says that Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It doesn't mean that he was saying every second, every hour, I love you guys, hey guys, I love you guys, hey, I love you guys. No. 
It means that Jesus was spending some very important time with these people that he called his friends, that he called his disciples, and he was sharing his heart with them. He was teaching them. He was mentoring them. He was forming them. He was even rebuking them. And he was telling them, hey, you're wrong in this area, but it's okay. Let me get you to where you need to be. He was walking with them every day, telling them and showing them how much he loved them. He went so far as to even one day They were in the upper room. And knowing that his time was coming to an end with them. The Bible says that he took off what he was wearing at that moment, that robe he was wearing, and he tied it around his waist. He went to go grab the basin of water. I mean, picture this. This is Jesus. This is your Savior. This is my Savior. This is the creator of this universe. He goes and grabs a basin of water. And I don't know, he, maybe he grabbed a, 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 a rag or something. And it says that he grabbed these things. And he, he goes to the first disciple. And he kneels before the disciple. The God of this universe kneels before one of the people that followed him day in and day out. And he begins to wash his feet. He began serving them. When he came to Peter, Peter was like, Lord, what are you doing? Far be it from me. Don't you add. No, you cannot wash my feet because you're not. No, no, no. I'm not worthy of that. You're God. You're, you're my teacher. You're the rabbi. You're, you're our master. You can't be washing my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. And then Peter being Peter said, well, then wash my whole body. Jesus was saying the point that Jesus was trying to make is that the teacher was coming to his pupil and humbling himself by loving him in a very practical way. Sometimes we, we, we try to figure out how to do certain things, but it's very practical, church. Sometimes it's just a phone call. Hey, man, hey, we missed you at church today. I hope everything is okay. Hey, I heard that this happened, and I'm praying for you. Hey, is there anything I can do? Do you need me to watch the kids? Sometimes it's just picking up your phone and texting. Hey, thinking of you. Praying for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, great day. We love by being unselfish. We love by forgiving. And we love by being very practical in what we're doing. Jesus gave everything he had for you and for me. And he said, this was the new command. Not to love one another. That command has been there, been there. But we should love one another just as he loved us. I'm going to ask you to stand.
I want you to know, I want you to understand that when, when it comes to the subject of loving one another, this is something that you and I, the majority of us are parents here, have a responsibility to talk to our children about. Today we're going to say a prayer in just a little bit for our kids that are going back to school. Some of them already went back to school. Many of the, the, the young kids that are here today, they're starting in new schools. And it's our responsibility when we see the things that are happening around in this world. We see what's happening in Charlottesville. We see what's happening with our, with our political leaders. We see what's happening in this life. We need to have open conversations with our kids. We need to point them to the Word of God and tell them, Hey, buddy, God says we should love one another. It's not going to be easy at times. But we have to love one another. If you and I are going to love God, loving God means loving people. If we could allow the Holy Spirit to truly work in our lives, to love those who are around us, can you imagine what our world could look like? That's why it said that the local church is the hope of the world because if every church is preaching a message of love and not, pre not preaching this, I don't know where these people go to church at, but truly preaching and being true to the word of God, can you imagine what our schools will look like? It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with the church being true and standing its ground in God's love. God is love. I can see a world that's not heavy with tension, but one that is open to the acceptance of one another despite beliefs. I see schools that instead of making newcomers and people that aren't the same feel uncomfortable and feel awkward, that they accept with open arms any new person that walks through those doors. I see families who can move past their differences between brother and sister, between mom and dad, between cousins and aunts, and learning to serve God side by side I see a church that is willing to leave its comfort zone and say we want to be that difference we want to be that change understand that our God our God is a God of love church whatever you hear in the news whatever you read on the internet whatever you see and you consume we must test it against the word of God. We have to bring it before the light of the word of God and say, no, this is not from God. This hate, this bigotry, this intolerance, this is not for God. Yes, there are things that we need to preach against. I won't say that we need to accept everything that people do, but we don't deny people a chance. We don't turn people away.
because they don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They don't speak the same language we speak. But rather we embrace them. Because at one time, we didn't belong neither. At one time, we didn't fit in either. But now, the script is lit. Now we belong to the family of God.